0: Steps into it, passes, caught, takes, sideline, touchdown! the Unbelievable Podcast. I am B.J. Rydell, back here with my guy, Drew Maholt, and today we are talking about yet another Minnesota Vikings loss. Unfortunately, but this game was a little bit more fun to watch, I think, and I think most of you would agree with me. Um, your Vikings ultimately went down 31-30 to at the hands of the Tennessee Titans at U.S. Bank Stadium yesterday. Um, so we'll go through this. Um, like I said, it was definitely a really fun game to enjoy. I think there's a lot of bright spots for sure. Um, with that being said, an 0 and 3 start is still an 0 and 3 start. And, you know, we have to, we have to keep that in mind when we're kind of breaking down what this team is and what kind of future that they have both in the near future and, uh, the, you know, the long-term future as well. So, um, we'll do our typical thing, breaking down each, you know, the, the key players of the game and, um, we'll come to co- come to some conclusions here and kind of see where the Vikings are going from here. So, um, all right, let's get it started then. Uh we always start with the quarterback. So let's do just that with uh, Kirk Cousins, who had I'm going to call it an uneven performance because there were definitely some highlight moments for Kirk. Um, and there were definitely some moments where I was really, really, really frustrated, um, not just as a fan, but as someone who thinks he knows stuff about football. I felt like Cousins just wasn't doing very, you know, standard things. Um not making the I'm just going to get right to the point. I think his pocket presence is trash and I've, and I've had just about enough of it and I'm sure we'll get more into that. But, but drew, you know, 16 for 27 for cousins, 251 yards through the air. That's a 9.3 average. Um, the touchdown to interception ratio of three, two isn't awesome. He only took two sacks despite the offensive line, which also was not awesome. Um, and he gets a quarterback rating of 96.4. So, uh, that sounds great on paper. I mean, was he as? Am, am I wrong to suggest that Kirk Cousins did not, you know, fulfill, I suppose, the expectations of an eighty-four million dollar contract uh, with this performance against Tennessee? So
1: the the issue with Kirk Cousins is that, and I think I've I've fallen victim to this, and I believe you have as well, and I think a lot of the Vikings followers fans have is this idea that Kirk is going to save the day. You know, when the defense doesn't show up or this idea that Kirk can be um, that, you know, save that, like, you know, kind of carry the team when nothing else is going well. Right. Um, and that's, you know, understandable because you pay a quarterback that much money. That's kind of what you want the quarterback to do. But when you look back at when the Vikings signed this guy, uh, I, he was basically there to sort of be that last piece, be the complement to the rest of the roster. Um, and so the expectation should never have been because for Kirk to carry the team, because he just, he's, he's never really done that um, in his career. He's put up big numbers, put up big stats, but he's needed things around him to do that. Uh, whatever you want to think about Washington, you know, prior to uh, Kirk moving to Minnesota, he did have some weapons out there to work with. The offensive line was not horrible by any means either. So uh, it's not like he, you know, the, the supporting cast there not bad uh, at least it wasn't in my opinion and so he comes here um and this i think is the worst situation that he has been in in his career and so
0: for it's us, the to worst situation him... i've been in my career as well by the way
1: <laughs> well yeah <laughs> good point uh sorry keep going for, so for, for us to expect him to rise to the occasion when the odds are stacked against him that's never been who he is uh and so i, I think it's just it's it's naive of us to really like think, oh, well, Kirk has did this last year in October uh, for four or five, six games when he had Delvin Cook running at the best rate in the NFL. He had Stefan Diggs getting open better than anybody deep down the field., uh, so for him to just, oh will he'll pick up right where he left off in that uh, with that stretch of performance and do it again here, just not not a fair expectation. And so I think the pocket pressure pocket presence issues that you brought up are certainly true, but I think you know, I think he was pressured at the third highest rate of his career yesterday in terms of a single game. Right. So that doesn't help him at all. Right. Um, and of course the defense giving up big play after big play to set up scores that really, it helped us that Tennessee when they got into Vikings territory, didn't do a whole lot offensively because mm-hmm. it could have been a lot worse uh, the other way around. So Kirk, uh, you know, it's, it's, give, it me, is a grade. What it is.
0: give me a grade it, for
1: Kirk. It's a B minus, you know, I mean, that's, this is, a, I think it, what we're going to see is that's about a typical game. Maybe I give him some credit for a couple of those big plays. Like the Thielen touchdown was really nice. Uh, and then, you know, finding Jefferson, Justin Jefferson, targeting him a lot more. I'm going to give him credit for that just because I think that needs to happen anyway. When you got a young receiver, you want to see what he has in store, but this is a like He said very uneven, a lot of good, a lot of bad. Uh, that's what we're going to be in for for the rest of the season.
0: So I will fully admit that. I think, you know, I admitted last episode that it hopped off the cousins train, right? Uh, that holds true this week as well. And so I'm willing to fully admit that part of my opinion of Kirk is probably a little bit harsher than it was even just 10 days ago. It's just different now. I mean, I I saw I saw the floor and now I'm having trouble seeing, seeing the ceiling. And that's just it's it's hard to not be disappointed when you see guys like, you know, Joe Burrow, for example, he's playing in his third game. I mean, he kept I am not saying Philadelphia is good. But Cincinnati's not good either, and Joe Burrow consistently found a way to make drives yeah. happen, with the exception of overtime yesterday. It's just very, well, and very frustrating. That first
1: game of the year, they play, He played a tough Chargers defense. They should have had a field goal that would have sent right. that one into overtime. Like he's he's making the plays and making things out of nothing when he needs to, which is something Kirk has never really done.
0: Right. So my point being then is, and you could pick any quarterback you want. Like if you want to pick Mahomes, Jackson, hell, Roethlisberger. I mean, I don't care who you want to pick it's just very frustrating to see that the Vikings quarterback, and this has never been the case with the exception of the one year of Brett Favre, the Vikings quarterback has never been a guy who can get it done in crunch time. I mean, yes, we have small, small teensy, teensy sample sizes of this occurring. I mean, I'm sure Tavares Jackson had a couple of nice drives, right? And I'm sure that, you know, uh, Case Keenum, of course, has the Minneapolis miracle. And like, there's some major, major highlights and some cool moments for sure. I'm not dismissing all none of, of
1: it. That. None of it is sustainable.
0: Right. And that's really my point here is that it's not sustainable. And that Kirk Cousins proved to me yesterday, once again, why it's not sustainable. And so it's not just his fault, but i he's the face of the franchise, right? I'm going to fault him no matter what. The Vikings lost. I'm going to fault him. It's going to happen. I don't care if you love Kirk. I don't know. If, I don't care if you hate Kirk. I mean, you have to you have to give you have to delegate fault here in some capacity, despite the fact that the offense put up what 460 ish yards. There's still some fault to be had. And yes, Garrett Bradbury, that snap atrocious. You got to know the snap count. I'm pissed about that too, but you know what? Like Kirk cousins is in charge of that offensive line. Like he's got to get everyone on the same page going up to the line of scrimmage. So yes, Bradbury should have known the count, but also Kirk cousins, like do a better job. Like no one's even yelling. Like, do a better job of making sure that your guys know exactly what's going on. This is critical moments. This is season defining at this point. We're in week three. The Vikings are 0 and 2 at this point. This is a season defining moment and you have to go 35 yards in two minutes. You don't go one. In fact, you go backwards 17. That's unacceptable. I don't care who you're, who you are as a quarterback. I'd say the same shit about Tom Brady. If he did the same thing, it's not, it's not acceptable. And, and you know what? It's a product of a lot of different things. Like, yes, I'm sure the offensive line is in Kirk Cousins' head. Hunter Dozier sucks. Drew Samia is not a professional football player. I, it it sucks to have those two guys, you know, basically sandwiching Garrett Bradbury, who has been much better this year, for what it's worth. But you've got three guys who I don't really trust. And then you got the two bookends who, again, for what it's worth, I think O'Neal and Reeve played fantastic yesterday. And for the most part, have been fantastic this entire year. So really this comes about the interior, right? So I will give Kirk Cousins some leniency for the fact that he doesn't have all pros standing in front of him. But you gotta know that too. You gotta know like you gotta sense your surroundings. You gotta adapt to what's around yeah. you. You gotta deal with what you got. And he didn't do that yesterday. And that fires me up as a fan because I've seen Ryan Tannehill do it. If Tannehill can do it, so can Kirk Cousins. That's where I'm at.
1: Well, see, he's never, like, Kirk has never been, he's never had the tendency to move around, right? He he stands there in the pocket, lets the the reads, he lets the reads develop, right? And he, after a couple of them, I mean, at that point, he just goes to the reads, and if the sack happens, the sack happens. Like, he, (laughs) that's the problem, and that's what you see so many other quarterbacks do, and why they're so successful, is they... Are able to when they they will feel things break down and get out of there, right? And Kirk has, like you said, there are just very small glimpses of these things happening. Whether it's the clutch drive when in, in crunch time, whether it's something like this where he once in a while will sneak out of the pocket and make a throw like the Thielen play for a touchdown, but you know, the, it, it's not sustainable enough, doesn't happen consistently enough that it carries over into you know sustained success. And so that's where you know you with with Kirk uh, in the crunch time situation that you were referring to that last drive where the Vikings had to go, how many yards to get a field goal? Um, everything that could have fallen apart basically did. Uh, and so the one thing I didn't like to now, this is probably me taking something out of proportion here. Um, but when Kirk was asked about it by the media, you know, cause I think oh. so what happened was, was Zimmer said uh-huh. something about like, this was a, this was a disaster or something like that the final drive. Right. And Kirk said something like, you'll have to, Um, ask coach what exactly he's referring to. And it's like, there's nothing specific that needs to be referred to. It was all a disaster. He doesn't get it.
0: He just doesn't blame
1: as the face of the franchise. Take some of that. And and you'll be much more respected as the leader within the locker room. I know for sure you will be among the fan base. uh, And I'm not supposed to be able to relate to Kirk Cousins right now uh, as an NFL professional quarterback making millions of dollars. But that's just the way I see things from my vantage point. And it's tough to anybody, right? Like that's one of the things that my key—I don't know if you want to get into a personal level here—but like a key value of somebody, and I'm judging them as a person, like if I, you know, like them or don't like them, is if they can accept and be aware of their faults, right, and take responsibility for them. I, you know, and it's really tough to root for somebody that doesn't do that. I think Kirk has done all that most of the time. In Minnesota. But in this instance, like, come on, you, you you're the leader of the offense. Everything that could have collapsed did on that last drive. You got to take some responsibility for that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's just another thing. I mean, I'll, I'll sign off on the Kirk Cousins segment of this podcast by just saying that I'm having a very difficult time. Like not just like I'm having a difficult time liking Kirk on a personal level right now. Like it's not just a professional for me i just don't like him as the face of the franchise i don't like him as the quarterback anymore and again maybe i'm honestly i could be being dramatic you know i'm very very frustrated at no one three start and I, i'm I, i've done i think i've done a pretty good job throughout my sports entertainment uh hobby career type deal of being f- objective and not allowing my emotions to get the best of me but this is like and I, and I and if I'm being honest with you, I don't think I am right now either. I just think Kirk is a very difficult person to root for. And I think that he's a very difficult, like, quarterback to get behind, especially when he says stuff like you just referenced. And he does games like this where it's like you do so many things well, Kirk. You do so many – like, that, that throw to Jefferson, the 71-yard touchdown, it couldn't have been much better. And, of course, Jefferson made it happen after that, but, like – or the throw to Thielen, or the perfect spot that he threw to Rudolph in the end zone for that one-handed amazing catch, like, those are all such great moments. Like, just close the door, dude. Like, I don't understand, like, why this guy just never see- – he gets the yips when it really, really matters. Like, when the moment comes, when the spotlight is on Kirk Cousins, he shrivels. And, it, dude, it sort of hurts my feelings. Like, I, I can't stand <laughs> – I, I, I can't stand watching it, and I, it, it's – I'm very, I'm just, I'm very, very much in the tank right now with the Vikings. I'm, I'm so much for moving on from Kirk. And I, we discussed the, the issues with that last episode. So feel free to go back and listen to that, but I'm just That's done. The problem. I, I'll, they,
1: they really can't, <laughs> they really can't move on from him for a couple more years. Right. So I'm,
0: I'm just, um, I'm exhausted. That's the best way to put it with Kirk because I'm exhausted. See, and I think,
1: yeah. the one, the one thing that I can hang on to is I think most of us felt, very similar to this after week four last year after that Chicago game. Right. Uh, There was a lot of this similar feeling out there about Kirk. And I know this is a very different year. Stefan Diggs is not in Minnesota anymore. I think moving parts happening, new offensive coordinator, whatever the case is. Uh, The Vikings had wins at this point on their resume last year, but there was a, a growing sentiment, you know, Okay, this when when is Kirk going to be done? Like this was before he had been extended. There was teammates calling him out, all this stuff after that Bears game, and the 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 Kirk Kirkometer in Minnesota, uh, if you want to call it that, was very low, and it's very close to that point, if not lower, right now. So maybe Kirk will find something. I remember that last last year, I think it was the Eagles game right after that, where he really uh, played with a chip on his shoulder and made every single pass. And Zach Brown, I believe, called him out before the game right, to the Eagles right. and then got cut. So, something like that. Maybe that's something that uh, Kurt can turn into a win in the coming weeks here, but man, it's it's not looking great right now because I mean, so many Vikings played well yesterday. and Let's talk about like that. that. Let's do be a that. Loss.
0: Let's, let's, let's do that. Let's lighten the mood a little bit here and talk about the fact that the Vikings, and I know probably the vast majority of our audience plays fantasy football. You got the number one score at running back and the number one score at wide receiver yesterday, and that was a product of multiple just like i can't ex- i can't even explain to you how tremendous some of the plays that dalvin cook and justin jefferson made yesterday yeah. like they were they were the type of plays that were about the individual right like it wasn't just a team effort like it wasn't just the blocking up front it wasn't just a linebacker missing a tackle it was dalvin cook putting his foot in the turf or yeah turf whatever and getting around guys and making things happen that only dalvin cook can do right and he's playing opposite derrick henry who you know had a pretty solid game as well right Uh, ultimately had the two finishing blows so i mean it just like you love to see that and i and the the biggest like the 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 biggest point of emphasis here that i think is the most important thing about dalvin cook's day is that it started out in the worst possible way right Mm -hmm. dalvin cook fumbled on the What It was the opening drive or the second drive, right? He could have let... If that was Kirk Cousins, he would have let the... He would have let the shit run down his leg. Because that's what Kirk Cousins does. Dalvin Cook, on the other hand, got back out there. And yeah, do do any of us... Like, Mike Zimmer, like, I don't even know why he had to say, well, I would have... I didn't like that he fumbled. Well, yeah. Didn't like that.
1: I did not like that.
0: Stupid, stupid (laughs) comments. Due to average 8.2 yards per carry after that fumble. Okay? You know, like, I don't... Dalvin Cook did everything and anything that you can ask out of a running back, especially one that's being compensated as heavily as he is, and he did it at yeah. an extraordinary level. It was it was so entertaining to watch. There is mm. like that was as good of a running back performance as the as the Vikings franchise has seen since Adrian Peterson. And I I think that's fair that it's right up there with some of Peterson's best. I mean, obviously, you can think of the 296 or some of the moments from the 2012 season. But this Dalvin Cook game, 22 carries, 181 yards and a touchdown with that long score for 39 yards out. This is what you're going to get. This is the best you can do at that position. I don't like if you're if you're someone who believes that the running back position complements the quarterback position. Kirk Cousins is never going to get more help than he just got from Dalvin Cook. And that's probably the most frustrating part is that ultimately you lose, despite the fact that yesterday your running back was probably the best in the entire NFL.
1: Yeah, that was – it was unreal. Like, it was one of those where you you don't realize how much – how many yards he's actually accumulating. Because, like, you know, when Peterson back in the day, he would put up those 150, 200-yard games by getting two runs of, like, 70-plus, right? And then the rest of the game would be, like, two three zero two like – Those type of games. Dalvin is not like that. He had a 35, 39-yard touchdown. Everything else was chunks of 10, 15, 20. Like, he... the, The success rate is extremely high. And that's something that is a huge... You know, it sucks that... It sucks that the running game is being... Uh, emphasize so much less in the NFL today because the Vikings are set with that zone running scheme. Like that's a positive out of all this, you know, Right. even in the first yeah. two weeks when it just hurt, you know, the Vikings could not run the ball because of the game situation, but their running game looks terrific right now. Uh, that, that outside zone stuff, these offensive linemen is for what they might lack in pass protection. A few of them, that are athletic enough to get out, move around, and and work in the running game. So that's working really well. That's fun to see. And Dalvin is electric, man. Get the ball in his hands, he'll make people miss. Um, and some, I, I'm still in awe of his speed to get around to the corner. It's mm-hmm. like I know his 40 time wasn't necessarily awesome uh, coming out in college, Solid, but right. there's something that you can. There's something that just it's a different speed when he's turning the corner versus guys that are trying to chase him down. And his the angles they take are always wrong. So that's fun to watch.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. So let's talk about the other bright spot then. I think we covered Dalvin Cook pretty well there. I mean, straight up, just a fantastic, like an A++ performance for yeah. Dalvin yeah. Cook. The only the only thing is that fumble. And I, I had forgotten about it by the end of the day because of what he did <laughs> after it. So um, the other bright spot, of course, Justin Jefferson, right? Uh, seven receptions, 175 yards, one touchdown. Um, in his breakout campaign, right? This is uh, you know game three for Jefferson. He basically was not involved at all in the game plan uh, the first two weeks, which honestly draws a lot of a con- lot of uh, comparisons to the situation that Stefan Diggs had when he became yeah, relevant, right. right? You know, he was completely irrelevant until what that Denver game, and then he put uh, yep. a t- Aqib Tlaib to leave on skates, and all of a sudden, you know, the rest is history, right? Um, so that in itself, you know, the The fact that my mind can go there and the fact that Justin Jefferson is replacing Stephon Diggs. I know he's not Stephon Diggs. I'm not trying to be that guy, but he is replacing his role. And to see him do this at such a high level so early in his career, he was getting off of press. His release was tremendous. His routes were fantastic. He was wide-ass open the entire day. The entire day, right? The first seven balls that got thrown to him were completed and of course you know late in the fourth quarter when he got two more shots both of them were incomplete but i think that was someone else's fault but <laughs> jefferson absolutely murdered yesterday murdered that you can't ha- you really really can't have much better of a game than that as a re- as a receiver because the rest of your production is a product of the quarterback he did when the ball was in his hands he did something with it and he has yeah. and on top of it he's an easy guy to like because he's so much fun too i mean i know that everyone was you know Pumped when he's walking into the end zone dancing like Deshaun Jackson, like praying he's not going to drop the ball. But, you know, <laughs> like how exciting is this player? I mean, you get this guy for at least three more years, right? And he's probably going to be with the franchise because the, the way the NFL is shaped and kind of the way that you leave an organization. I mean, Justin Jefferson, if he continues to play very well, he's going to be a Viking forever. And that's exciting to think about based off of just I I know it's a small sample size, right? I know it's just one game. I know he's gotta string a lot more of them together for it to really start to be, you know, a true number two, number like number one threat. But this is highly encouraging. This is everything, everything, everything you can ask for out of a first round pick this early in his career. All things considered, it's even better. He didn't even have pre he didn't have preseason. This is basically game three of the preseason for Justin Jefferson. He's learned the playbook, he's using his skills efficiently, and he's connecting when he's asked to. How much more can you ask of this guy? He's an absolute stud yesterday.
1: Yeah. And the the other thing, like, so you mentioned the digs, like did not play at all. First, I think three, two, three, four games. I think It was five His his rookie or something like that. Uh, and you look back at some of the other recent first round receivers, Patterson, Treadwell, in particular, you know, they some in, in Treadwell's case, never. But like in, in their cases, it took a long time for those guys to get big roles. Patterson's role was never really a wide receiver role. Uh, And Treadwell, you know, he didn't score a touchdown until two years into his career. Um, And so, I mean, you could honestly say Jefferson has already surpassed Treadwell in terms of, you know, Vikings wide receiver legacy, if you will. Uh, And so that is super encouraging in itself. And it's so funny because I don't know if you saw the snap counts, but like first two weeks, B.C. Johnson was Clear cut number two guy yep. in terms of the number of snaps. And I believe, if I got this right, BC had, I played five snaps on offense yesterday. And so, so something, maybe something clicked in practice. Something, I don't know. Maybe they're just like, you know what, screw it. Something's got to change on offense. We're going to throw to this guy a little that's bit more.
0: What I think that's what it was. Maybe really- that's
1: what it was. I don't know. But this guy clearly can separate. He can make some things happen after the catch. That contested catch down the left sideline was super sweet. Oh, yeah. uh, he's not afraid to go up and get it against uh, other NFL cornerbacks. So uh, that's fun. That's fun to see. And you know, it, again, it doesn't I'm not going to be, you know, it's wide receiver. A lot of it is dependent on your quarterback, like the production you get, the your career arc. It does depend on how you're being thrown the football, and so. For him, for his sake, I know I hope he can keep getting opportunities like that. But, man, you're right. He's fun to watch and easy to root for. So good for him. That was fun to to see. And it's just, you know, and I liked how he, again, the taking blame thing, man. I love this because in the press conference, he's like, it doesn't matter how many catches or touchdowns I have, we lost. And I got to do better. And it's like, you know what? I don't know. I I don't even remember if he actually messed up yesterday. I know the interception towards him may have been a missed route or whatever it was. Um, But he owned up to that right away. And so that's the thing that's again really easy for to reform.
0: Absolutely, and you know the rest of the the rest of the receiving core played well too. Feland um, th- only three receptions, but he had the great touchdown in the corner of the end zone. Um, <coughs> excuse me, twenty nine total yards. Uh, Rudolph, of course, had the amazing one handed catch. But basically, this was the Justin Jefferson show. That's kind of why we're highlighting specifically him. Just another thing to knock Kirk Cousins while I'm at it, right? Uh, Justin Jefferson's had a great game now. Adam Thielen's had a great name now. How about two good games instead of one guy sticking out like a sore thumb? Right? I mean, like, can we spread the ball around a little bit more? Because you know next week, you know that he's going to try to go to Justin Jefferson more often. And you know that it's probably not going to be there because it's on film from week three. So I'm already frustrated with Kirk because I know that, like... He's he's fo- he's focusing in on the one guy who's making plays, and granted, that's not necessarily a bad strategy. I'm not saying don't throw to the hot receiver. I'm saying mix the ball around a little bit. I mean, Adam Thielen wasn't playing poorly, and I'm I'm not saying. And again, I don't know the design of these plays. I don't know necessarily who was the number one shot on every single play. This could be on this could be on Kubiak too, but like, you could spread the wealth a little bit better than they did. I mean, 175 is number one, 29 is number two. I I just don't know about that. That's just. I don't get it because, like, you look at Tennessee's receiving then. You got Khalif Raymond, who, by the way, who the hell is that guy? 118 <laughs> yards. And then Corey Davis, 69 yards. Johnu John Smith, 61 yards. Adam Humphreys, 41 yards. That's a much more efficient box score to me than one guy having 175. And, yeah, that's amazing. But I'm thinking long-term here. I'm thinking about what we can get from the rest of the season. And I'm just saying, long-term – If you only have one guy you're throwing the ball to, or you're honing in on one dude because that's what's worked for you, I'm just saying it's not going to work long term to hone in on one dude every game.
1: And I'm not—I haven't, you know—I watched all 22 or see, you know, that could just be what the defense gave Kirk. You know, I'm not going to. It could have been, yeah. It could have been, you know, they could have been bracketing Thielen the whole time, and you know, they were forcing somebody else to step up, and they just you know, forced Justin Jefferson to be that guy the whole game. So maybe that was the case. Um, I don't know. But I will say this, too. Thank you to the Philadelphia Eagles for drafting Jalen Rager, because I remember <laughs> that on broken. draft night. I, of course. A dra- dr- well, draft night, I remember this. Like, the Eagles were up, and then they showed Justin Jefferson on the, the ESPN broadcast, like, celebrating with his family. And I was like, oh, my God. Well, that was one of the guys I wanted for Minnesota right there. And now he's going to go to Philly right before the Vikings. And no, he was celebrating, actually, the Vikings calling him, which was – a complete you know 180 from when i had thought it happened so that's cool and philly of course is paying for that at this point as well they don't like have any receivers to throw to right now and so that's uh yeah that's all i wanted to say for offense uh just jefferson's a stud Dalvin cook's a stud
0: very uh, encouraging offense. signs from everyone not named yeah. kirk cousins basically and honestly for what it's worth like i know i know i've just been absolutely shit canning kirk cousins this episode. But like there were bright spots to his game too. And I think I highlighted a couple of those, you know, I mean, I, again, I'm frustrated and <laughs> part of this is, well, the really problem is, sure is of like, as well. so like, we'll
1: get to the defense, but like, you know, in past Mike Zimmer eras, this is my transition to the defensive side here that we'll probably won't spend a ton of time on, but the, like a 30, what it was, what the Vikings put up 30 points mm-hmm. that wins almost any game at us bank stadium. Prior to twenty twenty, with Mike Zimmer as head coach, they're like, zero and
0: two, zero and two this year. When the Vikings' offense scores thirty, before that, I think it was twenty four and zero or something like that. Don't fact check me on that because I, I I saw the stat and I'm trying to remember it. I I know it was high, but they hadn't lost a game until this year when the Vikings' offense scores thirty. So continue.
1: Yeah, so that's the that's the thing. So there's got to be some blame, and that's a part of the reason. Like I love Mike Zimmer. Uh, it's very he's a very easy guy to root for. I love his attitude. I love his uh you know, his demeanor and kind of get after you, but still kind of really is a player's coach at the same time type of thing. Um, but with that said, like I didn't, I didn't like how a, he's like, I well, you, I wish Dalvin didn't fumble. And then, you know, the whole, like seems to be sort of placing blame on the offense for that final drive. When your defense surrendered 30, your defense,
0: points. it sounds like he's right. deflecting blame. Honestly,
1: this is kind of what I'm getting at. and, it, it could have been. Now, for okay, so we also got to throw this in there. Stephen Koskowski was three of six on the season before this game and then went six for six <laughs> with 350 yarders. So that's just perfect, Vikings. And really, the Vikings probably outplayed Tennessee in this game. And just, you know, the field goal luck plus Dan Bailey missed one. So that's just classic, right? But uh, your defense giving up that many points, that many big plays, like right? a lot of pass, like Raymond, you know, getting past your corners, getting behind your, your defense a couple times. Um, you know, outside, I saw Anthony Harris was graded really poorly by PFF. I think he had one play on a third down that he broke up. But other than that, seemingly not in the right spot. Like there was, there's holes there still, right? I think Harrison Smith was probably a really their one bright spot defensively, and then maybe, of course, when stripped sack and
0: Hendricks was nice, uh, Ketterer's yeah, nice. Yeah, but
1: game. there's there's holes that need to be fixed up. That you know, the Vikings don't allow this many points. they prior to 2020 didn't allow this many points. This easily and it's something's changing and it's not for the better.
0: Absolutely, absolutely, and it starts with the secondary, right? I mean, Ngakwe, you know, we gave him a lot of heat week one. He's kind of he's he's certainly added the to the pressure numbers since then. Yeah, you're you're getting what you bought with Ngakwe, right? He's got another strip sack, which is beautiful, by the way. He's as good in the league as you're gonna find with that in that regard. So I was happy with his performance. Harrison Smith had a highlight real interception. He's doing everything and anything he can. I know that Mike Zimmer highlighted a moment where both Harrison Smith and Anthony Harris were out of place and that, you know, put, uh, I believe it was Holton Hill on an Island, but I'm still assigning blame to these cornerbacks, man. I don't think like Holton Hill. I don't know if the reason By the way, why Holton
1: Hill should have had that pick six dice the game at the end there.
0: He absolutely should have. That's just another moment where like the Vikings could have won and didn't. Right. And that's just very Vikings. But like, Jeff Gladney for all of for how good Jeff, Justin Jefferson was this this game, it, it was the opposite for Gladney. He was getting raked. The dude was being used all game long, and you know I just listed the receivers for you: <laughs> Khalif Raymond, Corey Davis, W. Smith, who is it's not AJ Brown, not AJ Brown exactly. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm t- I'm very like I, I'm. I don't know what to say with these corners, and I know that I know Hughes and Dantzler were out. I know that Chris Boyd was playing injured, but Boyd, Hill, and Gladney all looked bad, straight up, just bad. Like, I don't know how much better I can say it than that. Like, we could go into the schemes and stuff, but like, it doesn't change the fact that they they weren't covering their guys efficiently enough. And these guys, we're not covering Odell Beckham Jr. here. We're not covering Deandre Hopkins here. Hell, we're not cover, even covering Devante Adams. We're covering Khalif Raymond. Who the hell is that guy? And you guys can't find a way to stick him between the what four of you that are out there? It's frustrating. It's hard to watch. And yes, ultimately this game, like it's not on Kirk Cousins because yes, he did generate 464 yards of offense, I believe. And the defense, you know, you should win when you have 464 yards of offense.
1: Like they did <laughs> a nice job on Derrick Henry for the most part, right? Like I, I mean, think he so. had. He didn't break off the big giant run that he sometimes does when he stiff arms 12 people. Everything was contained. It wasn't like it was out of control. He just, he he gobbled up yards based on volume. But he was just like, he was, he was, he was, he wasn't an X factor. Uh, The X factor was Tannehill hitting play action passes deeper down the field. And now for what it's worth, like the Vikings defense was, they allowed three for 13 on third down. That's darn good. That's elite. Even I think there might be top five in the league right now on third down, but first and second down are so bad that it doesn't even matter. (laughs) So they keep. That's the thing. Like they allow so many big plays on first and second down that get the other team in field goal range and then they make so many field goals. How many field goals did the Colts have last week? And then Gostkowski had six this week. You know, I think Packers had two or three in the week one. So that to me, you know, early downs, early parts of the drive, Vikings are just getting cooked right now and that's the part that needs to be figured out at least on my brief quick synopsis of what is going wrong on defense and of course it's uh, looking at the finer things of secondary and um, you know having 12 year old corners doesn't help but that's just i'm just quickly looking at like there how do you have a defense that's top 5 in the league on third down like how is is it is coaching situationally that much different where on third down your team can be elite Right. Three of 13 against Tennessee. I, I'm I'm like 90 percent sure at this point, And this might change with the Chiefs Ravens game tonight. But they're number five in the league on third down defense uh, percentage wise. How is it that good? But then they're still just horrendous across the board like everywhere else. They're allowing, you know, a, a t- Titans offense. That's like they're not a firepower offense. Right. The Colts, not a firepower offense. Packers probably are now. But 40, he still surrendered 40 points. Right. It's not going right. to get it done at any level, in any situation.
0: <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Unless you're uh, unless you're Mississippi State against LSU this weekend. But then you needed 633. Yeah. <laughs> so um, put that into perspective. Yeah, the defense wasn't good enough. And ultimately, like, I'm going to say something cliche here. But I think we all need to hear it. Like, the big plays got to stop downfield, right? Like, the big downfield plays, specifically on Holden Hill, they got to stop. stop. You're not going to win any games. And honestly, I don't really care if they win any games anymore. And that's the kind of the, the closing segment that I wanted to get to. But, you know, it wasn't good enough defensively. And for those of you out there, like that are saying like this is on the defense, like I'm, <clears throat> I'm not putting this one on Kirk. Like I, I will give you this piece that yes, like the defense was not good enough for a even an above average quarterback to win most games. But again, it. I don't care. I'm. I'm still. <laughs> I'm st- I, I just don't care. I don't care about your opinion if that's what it is. Because I, I still, like, the final drive, like, you have an opportunity. Yep. And that's th- – all you can ask for in the NFL, just, right, is an opportunity. I, I,
1: just, I just hate how bad it looked. Like, at least move the ball a little bit. Like, give your field goal kicker a chance. Like, it's one thing if he misses a 52-yarder and you lose. Right, right. The, the go, to go backwards 20 yards with a horrible – you know, the snap thing, The. the – you know, what ultimately ended up being a Hail Mary interception, but... The yeah, dump-off to just...
0: Dalvin Cook, which would have ran, like, 30 seconds off uh, the yeah. clock. Like, is this Kubiak? Is this Kirk? I don't care. Like, whoever's doing it, stop doing it wrong. Like, I'm... Yep. It's wrong. It's not good. And... <laughs> whatever. Okay. The defense wasn't good enough. The offense, very solid. A lot of bright spots, but ultimately, when it came to crunch time, not good enough either. So,
1: um, you know... One thing I wanted to ask you. Have yeah. you seen who the number 1 cornerback is on Pro Football Focus.
0: Yeah, I just saw this actually. Xavier, <laughs> Xavier Rhodes Xavier is your number 1 cornerback Rhodes. on Pro Football Focus. Yeah. And the other the guy who's wearing 29 now, Chris Boyd, probably like number like 544 mm-hmm. if there are that many corners. And if there isn't, there should be because he's that low. And he was not he did not do well yesterday either. I mean Guys, it's just frustrating. I, I very much share your frustration right now. This is not fun to watch. And that leads me to kind of the final segment of the show. And that's, you know, where do we go from here? Like, what do you – you're 0-3, right? We we gave the odds last week on postseason when you're 0-2. They get worse when you're 0-3, shockingly. Uh, at what point – like, what do you want to do here? Like, as it, a fan I'm not, – I'm not asking from a coach. I'm asking from a fan. Like, you're not trying to save your job right now. What do you want as a fan – from the rest of this Vikings season, knowing what you do, seeing what you have, what needs to happen for this to be considered, you know, not just an entertaining season. Like we're still going to get football for, you know, 14 more weeks. And that's great. That's great. I love it in itself. But like, you know, for this to be a quality football season that moves the Vikings forward, what needs to happen? What's, what's your to do list
1: here? I hate this question because, you know, the first thought that most fans have is like, you know, you put in your developmental backup, Young quarterback instead of Kirk oh, to see what he you got. mean the, oh. the Vikings don't have yes, oh, yes, oh my exactly god, my so that's the thing. Like, and here's okay, so this is gonna be sound super optimistic, which is for sure not my brand at all when it comes <laughs> to the Vikings. You got the Texans who don't know how to win anymore and are bad, you have Seattle, which is a loss, like that's just that's just a loss at Seattle primetime, that's a 30 point loss. But then you get the Falcons, who also don't know how to win, uh, who are finding ways to lose
0: seemingly hmm. on purpose
1: the last Worse couple of the weeks.
0: Vikings. Worse than the Vikings, by the way. Who are
1: being accused of throwing games <laughs> trying to lose something. That's the Atlanta Falcons now. So yeah. you have at least two winnable games there. Then, you know, and, and Green Bay looks dominant right now. Hmm. But then you get the Green Bay game. Uh, and you get divisional games, and then you get an easier part of the schedule down there with like Jacksonville and home games against like Carolina and Dallas and um, so there's the schedule gets a little bit looser moving forward in the next uh, eight weeks or so. You can't like i I see a scenario where a performance like yesterday's against some of the teams coming up could result in enough wins where the Vikings could be in that in the hunt category, on your playoff graphic in like week 11, they will be like five and six or five and seven, and they'll be in the hunt because they'll be technically <laughs> alive, and it'll be like, oh, I wonder what scenario needs to happen for the Vikings to sneak into that number seven seed. Like, I think that is what we could be look, like heading towards, which is, as a lot of fans are going to say, it's like purgatory because you don't get the top pick, but you don't get the playoffs. and, However, you want to root for it. I think that that's a possibility, and to me, that's at least
0: interesting. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I'm all in on the tank. <laughs> I just want to go there right now. Okay, <laughs> I'm all in. I don't care if it's three and thirteen. I don't care if it's zero and sixteen. I'm all in on the tank because. So this what does is, this
1: look like for you? Because I know I know how you feel, Sean Mannion. So what does this look like for you?
0: Keep going with what you have. Make it entertaining, and really just do what you did yesterday. Make sure it's a loss, though for the for the foreseeable future now.
1: So, so you're rooting for losses. Is that what is that
0: I'm right? not mm, Okay, like that, that's, that's okay. I,
1: I will never get behind that sentiment. I that's, will never will.
0: Okay, I so can that, never that's, root
1: for a loss.
0: That's challenging because I'm what I'm not I'm not rooting for losses, I'm rooting for the result. I want a high draft pick. And ultimately to in order to get there right, that means that I have to root for a loss, right? So no, I'm not saying I want the Vikings to lose because it makes my Sunday horrible every single time they do. And that's not going to change despite what I just said. But ultimately, like, I – this is the right year to suck, right? This is, the, this is the right year to do it. If you need a that, quarterback it, – But it's
1: not. But it's not because you just extended Kirk. You just extended Zimmer. Like, that's why this is – it's all messed I, up. This is like, the wrong year to suck at the same time.
0: Yes, I'm you're talking about the Viking situation. I'm talking about the prospect situation, right? Like if you miss out on Trevor Lawrence, like let's say you get the two pick, you miss out on Trevor Lawrence, you still got a shot at what Trey Lance and Justin Fields, both who look very good, right? All three of which I'd rather have than Kirk Cousins. I, hell, I'll pay Kirk Cousins. I'm not going to pay Kirk Cousins. I'm okay with the Vikings paying Kirk Cousins 41 mil next year as long as they have Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields or, you know, Somebody Trey Lance, whoever
1: else. See. They yes. can see it try out and experiment. Okay, here's see what you got, little yeah. young kid. Yeah, I, I, understand. I understand. I will I will never root for a tank. I, I I just don't subscribe to that idea. And this even is true in uh, NBA but, but where.
0: But let me ask you, know. you this then. So like I think you just asked me a hard question, and I had to come to terms with kind of where I'm at mentally, right? If I say the same thing to you, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask the reverse to you then. Like yes, you're not rooting for a tank. But let's say they go seven and nine this year, and they they miss out on yeah. an opportunity to get a franchise quarterback. Like, aren't you just going to feel shitty in April then, instead of feeling shitty in October?
1: See, I'm 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 at this point. I think you saw it with like Mahomes, right? You see it with a lot of these recent draft picks. Maybe Buffalo. Um, you can trade up to that like bottom, like the bottom of the top ten, if a guy falls, and one of those three guys could fall. I mean, there's still a lot of college ball to be played. Trey Lance isn't going to get a season at this point, I don't think, right? Is FCS doing a season? Maybe it's in the spring. I don't know what he's going to do, if he's going to play or not. So uh, I think the 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 draft picks that Spielman has acquired will allow him to move up in that scenario. And so I think if the Vikings end up at, say, 14, right, that's where they're at in the first round, A, I think the, the NFL draft process is like picking the players is volatile enough where you can still get a stud there. You know, Aaron Donald, J.J. Watt, Von Miller. uh, Von Miller might be higher than that, but uh, Aaron Donald, J.J. Watt were 10 to 15 range in the first round, and so those guys, like there are that there is that caliber player that late in the first round. But if you're looking at a quarterback, you're right. You want to get higher. That's where you'd have to get Spielman to trade up, which he may or may not do because they already have Kirk Cousins under contract until 2022.
0: And obviously, there's the prize here, right? Like there's the the true generational prize in this draft in this draft alone. And that's Trevor Lawrence, right? Like, you know, the, the quarterbacks like him just don't come along that that often, right? So like if the Vikings end up with the three pick and, you know, they don't get Lawrence, like that's still going to be somewhat <laughs> disappointing, I think. So yes, I, I think I think you bring up a good, kind of thought here because, like, you're right. Like, I don't – I'm never going to root for the Vikings to lose. I'm not that type of person. I'm too competitive of a human being. Hell, if – you know, I'll just say it. Hell, I still believe they can turn it around at 0-3 if they get a couple things straight. Now, do I realistically think that's going to happen? No, probably not. But I'm going to continue to root for it because it's not like the season's dead at the end of September. Like, the odds say that you're pretty well screwed. But, like, the Vikings have been defying odds. forever and granted most of the times they defy odds it's on the other way around but they are capable of doing it so it,
1: i just i and part of it's, it's it's almost a principle thing for me like i can't i can't wrap my head around the, the idea that you would root for your favorite football team to lose like i just i i don't and i i understand the thinking i i i 100 percent do and i get it you're looking ahead blah 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 but like when i'm sitting there on sunday with my pizza and my beer looking at the football game on tv like i i can't be like oh i want green bay to win this game i
0: wish just jefferson had dropped that ball yeah i'm never I gonna hear him. i
1: can't i can't do that i can't do that and i will never do that but i you know we can do whatever you want like i feel like we got to this point a little bit last year with the vikings after the bears game and then things turned around really quickly so hey maybe that, that'll happen this week and we'll figure that out when we talk about the, the texans Uh, Who apparently are going to sign in Earl Thomas. So,
0: (laughs) let's uh, let's end on that note because I think that's a good optimistic note to, again, I mean, like we're not we're not necessarily trying to make these shows so like so dark and gloomy, but like this is the situation right now, right? Like, I, you know, it's just this is tough right now. It's (laughs) it's tough, and I don't have an answer either, and I don't think anyone does. So. Hopefully things are just a It's a super super bad
1: look. It's a super bad look when you're franchise. You extend your head coach, you extend your quarterback, you trade a second what was it, a second round pick or something for
0: second to fifth. A pass
1: rusher. Second to fifth. You know, all these moves are win now. Uh, what is Daniel Hunter
0: then, gonna come back to? That's my question. What's he gonna come back to?
1: I, they should shut him down. They should. That would be the smart thing to do. Herniated disc does not sound good. Does not yeah. sound like something to play with uh to yeah. be risky about in any situation unless the vikings do make some sort of run that none of us have has seen coming but yeah i they should shut him down which looks even worse because um, apparently you know zimmer's like oh he just tweaked his neck that doesn't look great when it turns out to be a herniated disc
0: yeah. and
1: yeah. you would think the team knew about this well ahead of time i don't know
0: the trade certainly suggested that they did but Again, a topic for another day. Uh, we're out of time here, so thank you as always for listening. Thank you for uh, kind of venting with us or listening to me vent, I suppose. Hopefully I hit on a couple of pain points that you guys can agree with. And if I didn't, hopefully uh, hopefully, this gave you some sort of closure to that game. Um, Drew and I will be back later on this week here to talk about Houston, as he said before, um, and kind of what the – you know, what the preview of that out, that is going to look like. So until then, make sure to check out Daily Norseman and Climb in the Pocket, the rest of the content on those two networks. Uh, everyone's doing a great job in that regard. Uh, much better than the Vikings are doing in their jobs for what it's worth. So um, yeah. thank you for listening. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, um, anywhere else you find podcasts. And if you want to watch us, we're on YouTube as well. So thanks as always for listening, and we will catch you later on this week.